are now listening. You're now listening to the Students of Success podcast, podcast. with Jack Lee Matthews. Sharing stories to help you find your version of success. Of success. Welcome in today, you guys. We have a very special guest. Today we have Michaela Peterson. She is the daughter of obviously Jordan Peterson, um, but alone she, she actually has a lot of value that she's going to bring to us today about uh, uh, several things. But one of the things in main, you know, that she focuses on is this, you know, very controversial diet, the Lion Diet. And uh, so if you don't, you know, know anything about it, definitely give her your undivided attention. I think you'll get a lot of value out of this episode. But Michaela Peterson, welcome in to the Students of Success podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's an honor. It's truly an honor. Like I said, you know, you could be anywhere that you wanted to be today. So the fact that you took time out of your day to be here today, we really appreciate it. And really means a lot to us. You know, Michaela, can you kind of, you know, first things first, can, you know, maybe people don't know who you are, maybe they do. But uh, can you just first kind of like, talk about, you know, some of the things that you went through, because I was reading that you went through depression, and you went through a a very series of of things that from a very young age. And so can we just kind of dive into, you know, how you ended up such a, uh, you know, proponent of, you know, of the, this lion diet. Yeah, sure. So, um, I was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis when I was seven. I had symptoms when I was two. It just took people five years to figure out it was arthritis because at the time it was rare. It's less rare now. Um, things like juvenile rheumatoid arthritis are increasing in prevalence, but at the time it took them a while to diagnose it. So I had extremely severe juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. It affected all my joints except for my spine. I ended up with my hip and ankle replaced when I was 17 uh, because of how bad the arthritis was. So that, that's actually, a, that, that's a ridiculously bad arthritis. My rheumatologist, um, I was the worst case of arthritis my rheumatologist had seen in 20 years of treating only children. So it was, it's not usual to have that advanced of a disease. Um, I was diagnosed with technically bipolar type two when I was in grade six, uh, idiopathic hypersomnia when I was 20. Uh, I had skin rashes. Uh, I would say the worst problems I had were probably this idiopathic hypersomnia. So it's like chronic fatigue um, and the depression that came along with the bipolar. So both of those affected me like cognitively and mentally and felt like I was walking through mud, like, uh, living in a dark haze. And that's just what I thought life was like, um, because I'd never experienced anything differently. And so I got sicker and sicker and sicker, even though I was more and more heavily medicated. Uh, so I was on immune suppressants at the age of seven. I was taking antidepressants in grade six. And then I was taking things for the skin rash, antibiotics. I was taking painkillers to cover the arthritis that wasn't being managed properly with the immune suppressants. So I was on a like a plethora of medication by the time I was 23, which is when I dramatically changed my diet. And the reason I dramatically changed my diet was to try and figure out this rash I was having. Um, and it was... 
eventually I figured out it, it was something called dermatitis herpetiformis, which is basically as bad as it sounds. Uh, and it can go along with celiac disease, which is an autoimmune disorder that affects the gut if you eat anything containing gluten. And so I figured I had this rash from celiac disease and thought, well, maybe my arthritis is also from celiac disease because autoimmune diseases seem to couple quite often. You can end up with two or three of them fairly frequently. So I cut gluten out strictly and nothing much changed, a little bit changed. I felt a little bit better. I can remember that summer a bit more. I was in such a haze uh, that I have difficulty remembering periods of time. Um, I was also taking Adderall at that point for this idiopathic hypersomnia, which definitely screws with your memory. So uh, that summer I cut out gluten, that was 2015. And then in the fall I thought, well, why not just, you know, if I was really trying to figure out what was wrong with me, I was quite sure that I was going to end up losing another joint fairly soon because my wrist was in such terrible shape. And I thought, if I don't figure this out, like, I'm going to die, right? This isn't, I, I had this rash, I was sleeping all the time, I, my body was disintegrating my joints, I was absolutely insane uh, at that point. So I thought, if I don't do it, like, the medical system hasn't been working, right? If I've been medicated from the age of 7 and I'm 23 and I'm worse, it's not working. I don't see it about to work, so I'm going to try and figure it out. And I figured I might as well rule out diet, um, given the fact gluten seemed to affect me a little bit. And I went down to something that resembled meat and, meat and certain vegetables, and I kind of came up with this random list of foods uh, that I thought people would probably not react to. So like sweet potatoes, parsnips, salad, olive oil, apple cider vinegar, like, and meat. It was pretty limited, simple. Um, and I thought that would probably be well-rounded enough that I could do it for a couple of months without becoming nutrient deficient and just rule diet out. And so I stuck with that diet and after the first month. What, so was, your I, diet, what was your diet before that? Like what were you eating before standard, that? Standard, standard American diet. So I was never, I, I never had a diet. I was never vegetarian. I was never vegan. I'd stopped eating pork when I was 16, but that was the only thing that I wasn't eating. So a lot of, a lot of um, eating out, right? A lot of sushi. <laughs> so I would say, my diet was probably mainly Japanese food, but you know, American or Canadian Japanese food. A lot of wheat before I cut out gluten. So pasta, I'd have bread at meals, I'd have milk, like a lot of dairy. Um, so kind of the usual, like it didn't seem different from anybody else really. Um, but it was not, you know, when I was little my mom tried to get us to eat healthy by having like whole wheat bread and the bread with seeds and stuff, which I hated. Uh, yeah, I know. You recognize that, right? Of course, of course, Eating yeah. brown seeded bread. It was like, mom. Um, but it turns out that was terrible for me as well. And it tasted bad. I actually did. I went growing up. I, that was like one of the things that I wouldn't eat. I hated bread growing up. Really? And, well, and, I, and now I love bread. I mean, I have a, you know, infatuation with bread now, but it's like, it took me many years because I was a very, growing up, I was a very picky eater. And it's just probably a good thing. Now I, that I know what I know. I ate a lot of junk. That was me well, growing up. Well, not picky if you're only eating junk. Yeah, that's no good. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up on this limited diet. And now people would probably recognize it as a very limited, like, paleo diet. But at the time, people weren't really talking about paleo or keto. And those words weren't tossed around. So I couldn't find anything online. My roommates thought I was insane because I was being very 
very picky, right? Don't get anything on these foods that I'm eating because I wanted to make it as scientifically accurate if I was testing foods out on my body as possible. So I couldn't have the contamination yeah. on my science project. After the first month of that limited diet, um, I lost five pounds, which wasn't that much, but I also went down three pants sizes. And I was like, how do you, like, how does that make sense? Five pounds and three pants sizes. And it was from bloating that had stopped. And I had been bloated for my entire life. So I didn't even know that I was bloated until it went away. And I had like, I abs suddenly, even though I'd been going to the gym and trying to work out and be like, where are my abs? But it was bloating. So that happened after the first month and my skin healed. This rash went away after the first month. And I thought like, awesome. I've been trying to get rid of this rash for like three years. And now that's probably the thing that bothers you the most was, Oh yeah, it was terrible. You know, acne or something like that. Just, yeah, something that's visible. Yeah. Visible on your face. I had this arthritis. I had it's bipolar. I had this idiopathic hypersomnia and those were each one of those is terrible. But then if you get a rash on your face, like none of those matter as much. Yeah. So yeah, my first, the first, the reason I started researching was to get rid of this stupid rash and this extremely limited diet did it. And after that month, I started trying to reintroduce foods and for the next, so two things happened. One, Every time I reintroduced something, I started with like my favorite food. So I tried to reintroduce dairy first because I was having cheese cravings mm. and that went terribly. Right. So, um, my arthritis who had that, which had somewhat improved in the first month came back with a vengeance when I reintroduced cheese, I had become lactose intolerant from a month of not eating dairy, which I hadn't realized was possible. Um, I hadn't been lactose intolerant before. So that was a unpleasant surprise. Um, Three months into this limited diet, uh, I went off of, so technically at that point I was off of my immune suppressants because I'd actually dropped them when I cut out gluten um, to monitor my symptoms and they hadn't seemed to be really working anyway. So three months in, my bipolar went away for the first time since grade six. Like it never changed. My depression never changed. I never had a couple of months without being depressed. Um, and this was November when it lifted for the first time, which is dark in Canada. And it's not normally when you would assume depression is going to lift. Um, and my depression lifted and I was shocked because I thought, you know, my dad had this depression. My grandpa was depressed. My great grandpa was depressed and we had chalked it up to some neurotransmitter problem that was genetic. And then it turned out it, it went away for the first time. And so that's when I got my dad on the diet and was like, this is insane. My depression went away. A month later, my idiopathic hypersomnia went away. So I, I stopped taking Adderall. So at that point, so three months, September, October, November, December. Yeah. So four months after I started the diet, three and a half, uh, I was off of all the medication I'd been on since the age of like seven or 12, depending on the medication. And that's, yeah. and, and I mean, I'm talking about, you know, medicine and things like that. Like, it seems to be that they, there's, they give you a lot, right? Like, it's not just one thing that they give you. So I'm sure that you were on like a bunch of this stuff. Yeah. Now, when you came off of that stuff, did you, did you have any like, you know, adverse effects? So fortunately at, at the time, right. I was eager to get off of things. I didn't know that you could have withdrawal from some of these medications. Like I'd taken, when I had my hip and ankle replaced, I'd taken Oxycontin and I'd been on that for a year 
to deal with waiting for the surgery, healing from the surgery. And I got off of that and I had really wicked withdrawal. So I knew that opiates caused withdrawal, but I didn't know that you could get withdrawal from SSRIs. Um, what else was I on that could have caused withdrawal? I'd been taking lorazepam for periodically, fortunately not. What is your dad saying in this time? Like whenever you're, you're, you're like, you're obviously like, this is a miracle, right? So like in, in, in a sense, oh, yeah. it's like, and then you go to him and like, you say, Hey, I want you to be a part of this lion diet as well. Like, what does he, at first, like, how does he respond to that? That was before the lion diet. This okay. was before I had a name. I'm stricter now, and I'll get okay. into that. He said, this is absolutely unbelievable, and I wouldn't believe it, but you can you could physically see the difference in me, right? My rash was gone. You can't argue with that. I wasn't sleeping for, like, 15 hours a day. I wasn't taking Adderall for the first time in years, right? So I, I'd lost weight. So it was so visibly obvious. Even my the, at the rate of which I spoke sped up, right? So, like... Everything. Yeah, I could start to remember things. People used to tell me their phone number and I wouldn't be able to repeat the numbers back. Like people have that. So I couldn't repeat seven digits at all. No way. And that changed. I, could, I started remembering lyrics from songs I'd heard a long time ago. Because I could never remember song lyrics and I just thought I was bad at remembering song lyrics. And then my like cognition cleared up from not eating all the junk, I guess. I, it wasn't even junk that I was eating, right? Like I, I was cooking at home sometimes eating healthy like japanese food isn't supposed to be it's not like i was surviving off of ice cream yeah. uh so he was shocked but he gave it a shot because you could see the difference in me so that was december 20 i think it was 2015 december 2015 and he went on this limited diet and then he lost how much 50 pounds in the next year and his snoring went away and his gum disease went away, which isn't supposed to be curable. He had GERDs, that went away. Um, he had psoriasis, that went away. Um, so anyway, about a year later, I, I got pregnant and my autoimmune symptoms came back. Um, even though I hadn't changed from the strict diet because I hadn't been able to reintroduce anything. I kept trying to reintroduce things. That's not true. I had managed to reintroduce apples and pears, a little bit of fruit, but the things I liked, like soy, gave me a terrible, terrible response. Dairy was out, anything with seeds. I couldn't eat squash. Like I tried a bunch of things and nothing worked without giving me a flare up, which involved arthritis and severe depression symptoms. Um, and then this rash, uh, the, uh, the hypersomnia actually never came back with the reactions, which was nice, but um, these other symptoms came back. So. I got pregnant, restricted my diet back to that kind of baseline, and my symptoms wouldn't really go away. And they weren't as bad as they were before I had started dieting, but they were not good. Um, and I thought maybe that was just what pregnancy was like, because some people have really nasty pregnancies. Sure. It's like, maybe this is just me being pregnant. But then it didn't go away after I had my baby. Um, and four months after I had my baby, I went down to all beef, just eating beef. And that was because I'd gone down throughout the pregnancy. I had cut more of the carbier things and gone down to meat and salad because I noticed that the carbier things were making me feel worse the very next day. So I'd cut out sweet potatoes. I'd cut out apples. I'd cut out honey because I had been still eating honey at that point. I went to meat and greens for about a year. 
and then I dropped the greens. So I, I, I basically dropped lettuce, right? Like it, it wasn't much of anything else and went to steak. Um, and at that point I heard about something called the carnivore diet. Once I like typed in, you know, allergic to everything, like what's wrong with me? I came across this carnivore diet, I came across Sean Baker, and he was only eating beef, which made me feel a lot better about me only eating beef. And about a month into only eating beef, my arthritis went away, um, which had become a serious problem again with my wrist. Um, whenever I tried to like get up off my bed, especially if you wake up in the middle of the night, you have to nurse or something, my wrist had started to buckle, um, and I was, in, I was in pain in the mornings. My arthritis went away in a month, um, I started, I'd been crying almost every day and I kind of attributed that to, you know, something's bugging me, maybe it's food, maybe it's having a baby, like, I don't know. So the crying went away. Um, I'd been itchy again. I hadn't had a rash, but I'd been itchy. The itch went away and five months into just eating beef, which isn't fun, <laughs> like cutting down your diet to just beef is not joyful. Um, but five months into it, my anxiety uh, went away. So six months, it took, it, sorry, it took six weeks for the depression to lift and then five months, so it took longer this time, five months for the anxiety to lift. And so I've been calling the, the diet that I'm still doing, um, which is ruminant meat, beef, lamb, salt, water, um, the lion diet. And I've been, I wouldn't say counseling. I have a couple of Facebook groups. I have one called don't eat that and one called the lion diet. And um, I've seen thousands of people with idiopathic disorders that they've been to like 12 doctors, no one's helping them, they're on a whole bunch of medication. And if they do this beef or ruminant meat water diet, um, I usually say give it a six week shot. I've, the only people I've seen not recover are people who have been affected badly by medications. And so, that, that puts people in a, a different category of illness. But um, I've done quite a bit of research into why it works. So it sounds like, a you know, I get articles written up in the media about this insane all-meat diet. But yeah. there's, actually, there's actually solid science behind why it works. And it's that um, a lot of people with autoimmune disorders or mood disorders have a very damaged gut. And if you remove plants, you remove things that spike the immune system because plants have these toxins to keep out bugs. If you have a leaky gut, it can leak into your immune system and your immune system attacks these food proteins that shouldn't be there. But meat doesn't have those natural self-defense chemicals. So you can eat meat. And the reason ruminant meat works better is because um, in some of the animals that have one stomach, so monogastric animals like pork and fish, what they eat actually ends up in their flesh in minute quantities. So you can find minute quantities of soy, say, in farmed fish. But in ruminant animals, and a lot of them eat grain, because they have multiple stomachs, it doesn't actually end up in their, in their flesh. So this is basically a diet that helps you heal the gut. And ideally, what you can do once you're better is slowly reintroduce foods carefully. Um, but that is my health story. Well, it's amazing. I mean, it's truly remarkable to, to hear your story and to hear like how it changed your life and how it also helped your dad and helped countless others. Um, even on my, my end, you know, that's something that, you know, my girlfriend, she really pushes, you know, we eat a lot of meat um, and, and we're trying to do even better. You know, now, now that we are, we've moved into a house, we moved out to kind of like the city, got out of the high oh, ride nice. and just trying to like really 
focus on eating better, right? And um, one of the things as well that I want to like, I want to kind of like back up as well. Like you said that your dad also like he he also like whenever he got on this that it, it completely like helped him as well. He lost fifty yeah. pounds. It, yeah. You, can you speak to maybe like the like what's probably other than yourself, your dad? What's some other examples that you can really like throw out there that like this like somebody had you know this and it just completely like changed them? Okay, well I can I can give you I, I mean I've seen I've had so many people reach out who've tried the diet because a lot of people who are at the end of their rope will be like I'll try anything right you most of the people I'm speaking with are at the point where they've already tried everything and they're willing to try anything otherwise you can't convince most people to go on an all meat diet unless they're like. I've been sick for 15 years, I can't get out of bed, I've been to every doctor I can see and I'm on seven medications and I'm dying. I guess I'll try an all meat diet. What do you think about like the, you know, the keto diets, the, the, the vegan movements? Like what do you, what is your feel on all those different, you know, diets? Um, so I, I don't have like super, super negative opinions about most diets except for the standard American diet. I think that the, so there's the paleo diet and that eliminates grains and kind of focuses on whole foods. That can help a lot of people, but it's not very restrictive, so it wouldn't work for me. Uh, the keto diet, um, I'm actually more of a fan, if you can go grain-free, soy-free, dairy-free, I think that's the most important part of any diet. I think the main problem with the keto diet, um, so the diet I'm in is technically a ketogenic diet. It's very high fat, and I, I'm in ketosis. I've been in ketosis for the last probably three and a half or four years. Um, even the meat and greens was a keto diet. Um, but the problem with the popularized keto diet is it's very heavy dairy. They focus on cheese a lot. And cheese is ex dairy is extremely inflammatory to a lot of people with autoimmune disorders. So I'm not a huge fan of the like traditional keto diet, but then even the traditional, if they're, you can even call it traditional carnivore diet, they say any animal product. And then people end up eating a ton of cheese and wondering why they feel terrible. And so I think, uh, and then for the vegan diet, I think that the reason, I do believe the vegan diet works for people, especially initially. Um, and then there are different iterations of that as well. Like a lot of people are vegan and gluten-free um, or vegan and, I don't know, sugar and gluten-free. And if you go vegan and you're also sugar and gluten-free or grain-free even, although that makes it difficult to be on a vegan diet, um, you're going to feel better initially. But from what I've seen with the vegan diet is, over time, uh, it doesn't work for people. Uh, people need to supplement, they need more protein, and they need more animal fats, specifically meat fat. So I, like, I see a lot of people who are very sick who try the vegan diet to heal, and it, they feel way better, and then it stops working. Um, but I, so, I mean, I don't like the ideology. If you're going to be a vegan because you're an ideologue, that's a different problem. But you do see a lot of people who are just trying to get healthy, trying out different things. And if you're one of those people, I would recommend trying this ruminant meat. I call it the lion diet um, instead. It's also the only diet that limits your food to like one thing so that you can identify what's bothering you, right? If you want to do a science experiment on yourself, then it's the way to do it is the ultimate elimination diet. It's awesome. I think a lot of people out there can get a lot of value of what you've said, what you've covered here. Um, I want to kind of just like transition a little bit and kind of talk about your dad for a second. What's it like, you know, to ha for your, to have your dad, like what's it like for your dad to be Jordan Peterson? And like, also, you know, also one of the things that comes with that is the, the media, right? 
can you talk a little bit of like what's it like to like you know see the negativity see the see the the lies right can you just talk about that as well yeah yeah so i'm used to it now but at, in the beginning so say 2016 it was really shocking right because at that point i still believed what i wrote and i thought that i mean the idea behind the media is you're supposed to get reports on what's going on which is how i treated the media so I'd read a newspaper and say, that's what's happening. And then I started reading these articles about my dad saying things that were just not true. And I thought, oh my God, if they're lying about him, how much of what I've been reading isn't true? Yeah, exactly. I realized it's all clickbait. It's all, it's all just to get your attention, right? Oh, and it's, it's way worse now. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know right now it's, especially right now that, that opens up a whole nother can of worms and we'll get to that. Um, but your dad, you know, one of the things that I really love about your dad is that he stands up for what he believes in. You know, I feel like that is like something that is, is missing in our society today. Right. And so I admire him and I actually see a lot of myself in him. Um, just how passionate he is for what he believes in. Um, can you also speak to like, you know, cause he wasn't always, he wasn't always, you know, he wasn't always famous quote unquote. Right. So like when he became quote unquote famous and you start to see the lies and you start to see all these things, um, like, what is your thoughts? Like, obviously now, you, you know, right? Like you learned a lot, but like what in the initial, like, you know, he starts becoming, you know, notorious, like people start to know, know to write, you know, know him everywhere. But then, you know, there's also like a, a negative drawback that comes along with that. Can you just speak to that a little bit? Uh, the negative drawback? Well, honestly, um, there wasn't a lot. The, the negative drawback was the stress that the negative media caused directly on our family. Yeah. But in real life, like if we hadn't had access to the media, it was actually quite positive in real life. Like everybody who came up to him on the street said, you know, thank you for what you're doing. You know, most people were super polite. So if we hadn't had the stress caused by lying journalists, um, it would really would have been quite positive. It was absurd watching people recognize him on the street, because if you, if you get recognized on the street, the person who's speaking to you knows you kind of, or feels like they know you, but you don't know them. So it's a, it's weird to have someone come up and go, you know, I've listened to this many hours of you speak, but dad was very at home with it. And like I said, most of the interactions were incredibly positive. I love it. I love your dad. I mean, he's awesome. You know, a lot of people say what they want, but the man has got a lot of information that can help a lot of people. Um, and also I wanted to kind of, you know, since we're on the, you know, we're talking about our bodies, we're talking about our minds, we're talking about a lot of things here. I wanted to also talk, and we're talking about the, the, the media, right? I want to talk about a little bit about this vaccination that's coming. What is your feel on the vaccine? What is your feel on COVID-19? Um, you know, what do you have to say about that? Um, I think- And do you think they'll be mandatory? I have, you know what? No, I have no idea. But so far in North America, even the mandatory vaccines, there are ways out, right? So it would really, really, really surprise me if they suddenly made a mandatory vaccine. I think what will happen, or I hope what will happen, is they'll end up using the vaccine who on people who are more at risk, say people above 80, people who want to get it, people with comorbidities who are scared. So like, may, perhaps what will happen is they'll vaccinate the at-risk people and then the people who are dying of COVID, that, that number of people will lower. And then ideally they won't need to, you know, vaccinate people who really aren't at risk, people who are generally healthy and younger. So that like, 
best case scenario, you stop the older people with comorbidities from dying, and then you let everyone else have the option. If you want to go get the vaccine because you're terrified, then there's a vaccine. If you don't want to do it because you're not terrified, you're a healthy person, don't go get it. I don't know what'll happen, but I know that the rollout in the states is supposed to be people at risk first, people above 80 first. So I feel like if they see numbers start to drop, people will stop freaking out as much. Um, what is your take on the virus? Like, what is your take on it? Well, I had COVID in, um, we went to Serbia with my dad and we all ended up getting COVID because um, the government in Serbia had opened the country. So they said there's no cases here anymore. Everyone's safe. It was right before elections. So they completely opened up the country. And there were stadiums filled with people, like 10,000 people in stadiums. Everything was completely open. And then there was a huge wave, as you can imagine. They ended up building makeshift tents in fields to like in case they were overrun with cases, which they ended up not being. So they didn't end up using those tents. But I ended up getting COVID. My husband, my toddler, my nanny, my dad, we all got it. And it was, I was actually quite concerned uh, before that. I, I didn't agree with lockdowns or restricting freedoms, but I was concerned about my dad getting it and me getting it because of all the previous health problems I'd had. I'd had bronchitis. I'd been hospitalized for pneumonia before um, when I was on all the medications. So I was concerned, but I ended up getting it and... For the first week and a half, I refused to believe that it was COVID because it was like a unpleasant virus, but one that, you know, you get once a year. Mm -hmm. um, and so I ended up having symptoms for about 18 days, uh, off and on, kind of. So I'd be like, oh, it's gone. And then the next day I'd be like, oh, no, I, I feel terrible. But I never felt bad enough to stop working. Um, and it, I had like a minor fever, and it felt like a flu. For the first week, I was quite nauseous and bloated and you know it was unpleasant right um but it wasn't that was it 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 wasn't if i if it wasn't called covid i wouldn't have talked to anybody about it right like i, I got food poisoning the other year and that was significantly worse yeah um so i think that i think that because of the access to social media um there's been a lot of unnecessary fear generated about it. Um, I can understand, you know, at the beginning in March when we didn't know what we were dealing with, right? It's fair to be like, okay, what if we're dealing with something like the Spanish flu, right? Yeah. Like, so everyone locked down, fine. We don't know what we're dealing with. But now that we're like eight months in and we know more about what we're dealing with, I think that there are better ways we could be dealing with it. Um, and hopefully it doesn't last much longer, especially once they start, and they will, fairly soon start vaccinating people who are actually dying from it. Yeah. What is your thoughts on, I mean, you touched on a little bit, what is your thoughts on the lockdown? I saw, you know, one of your Instagram posts, I saw that you was, you was videoing out the window and there was like the horn going off. What, what is your, what is your take on the lockdown? Um, I put my take on the lockdown up a bunch of times on Instagram and, um, I think, well, I don't think that the government should be regulating things like that. Yeah. Right. I, I don't think we have enough data on the negative effects of the lockdown. Like they just came out with data from British Columbia and Canada about the increase in I think it was specifically opioid overdoses this year specifically. Um, and in the news article, they attributed it to stress due to lockdowns and the number of people who died just from opioid overdose rivaled the number of people who died from COVID. 
And that was just one thing, right? You're not looking at suicides. Um, there's actually been less deaths this year than there's been in the last, I think, 10 years. So it's just yeah. interesting that the numbers are going down, right? Everybody's locked in their house, but yet they're saying, oh, more people are dying. But that's not really the, maybe, you know, it's just it's the, the media, right? They want to they wanna sell us the story. They want to sell us the, the fear, right? And so it's like also kind of, you know, shifting gears a little bit here. Um, what is your, also your take on like censorship online, um, you know, with everything you see going on right now with the censorship? And, and I think you can talk to that a little bit as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um... Because you've, you've been, have you been, have you been wiped out before, I believe? I haven't been completely wiped out. I got, I got, when I had fewer followers on YouTube, they froze my channel, but it got unfrozen really quickly after my dad made us think about it. Mm. Um, I've been, I was demonetized after my, I put a video up about having COVID, um, which was literally just my experience with having COVID. And I got demonetized after that, coincidentally or not. Um, but I haven't been blocked out. I have seen subscriber rates completely plummet to zero for the last while, for the first time ever. So I think I might be in some sort of category of shadow banned or blacklisted or something. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. But um, I think what will happen is, hopefully, um, is these alternative social medias will pop up. And you've seen like Parler, you know, 500 million uh, downloads of Parler. Rumble is kind of starting to get some followers. Um, my dad was making one that's, I think they're creating an app now called ThinkSpot. Um, you guys have fans plan, right? So I, my assumption would be people are still stuck with these giant ones like YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram for a while. Yeah. Um, but maybe the problem with the more alternative ones is, and, and I am like, Politically, I'm more right than I am left. But the problem with some of the alternative ones is it's only people on the right. You don't yeah. get any people on the left. And so it's not an equal, right? And then, so what we really need is a platform that's not censored. Like, Twitter's insane right now with those little, like, banners on everything you see. Um, we need something that isn't censored but isn't going to be overrun by trolls and the problem with people on the right and i'd like people on the right but the problem with people on the right especially on those platforms is you make a perfectly good platform and then you get like a thousand trolls on it and they wreck it so it's tricky so with fans plan you know that's it's funny that you say that because i've been very selective you know in, in the initial stages of like who i attract to the platform because i know that you know yeah yeah being that um there was a lot of people that I could have actually got on the platform from the right side um, that were ready to come. But I, I actually kind of like said, like, not right now, you know, because I, I, I'm like you. I believe that what we need is we need a conversation. Right. We need to be able to have the, the left. We need to be able to have the right. We need to be able to also just have open dialogue. Right. The open community square to be able to say, hey, this is what I feel. If you agree, you agree. If you don't. OK, kick rocks. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, really yeah. matter. What I also, you know, see and I just, you know. I'm a little partial because, you know, I am the creator of Fans Plan, me and my girl. And it's like, what I see, though, is I see a great movement of people saying that things that things need to change. So I'm, I'm yes, encouraged because sure. of that. I'm encouraged because of that. I, I agree with all the points that you made. But I do believe that people are um, at some point going to make a mass exodus from the Facebooks, from the Instagrams, from the Twitters. But I believe people are, it's kind of like what I've, what I've always, what I've really coined Fans Plan as 
is I believe that people are in search of a new digital residence. And I believe as we progress in the future, right? I also believe more people will, will come to Fansplan because one of the things that I believe what Fansplan is at its core is yes, it's a social media platform, but at its core, it's, a, it's an educational platform. So I wanna educate people and also from, from both sides, you know, I have a lot of people from, from both sides in my life. I'm very, yeah, I'm very blessed because of that, because I feel like I'm in a position to kind of like, to just hear people out, right? And like to give everybody a voice and to say, you know, as long as they're not calling for violence of, of a group of people, right? Everybody show or, or, you know, those kind of things. It's like, we, I, I believe as we, as the collective, if you look back in like history, right? If you look back at history, you'll see that any great movement in our societies have always came from a, a small group of passionate people. And it's never come from the big, you know, hierarchies and all those things. It's always come from a smaller group of people. So that's why I believe that, especially, I believe that we're moving, especially like right now, because the world is getting like shook into its core, right? I believe that in the next like two years that you're gonna see, uh, and I'm partial, right, fan plan, but I believe that it won't just be fan plan. it'll be other sites that you will see really gain some momentum because like I said, people are searching for that new digital residence. And I'm, I'm encouraged because, because of that, because I just feel that for so long, you know, it's actually kind of crazy because a lot of people came to me and they said, Hey Jack, like, why don't you, why are you not on the app store? Right. And so I was like, well, the reason that I'm not on the app store is because I don't want to be, you know, in bed with Google. I don't want to be in bed with, you know, uh, Andrew, you know, all of these different companies, right. Apple, all of these different companies. And it's like a lot of people like Tim Cook, like, you know, now I'm going to get into kind of like a lot of stuff, but you know, Tim Cook actually openly like bragged at like how, how stupid like people are that people would just stay on those big systems because it's convenient because everybody's already on there. So for me, it's encouraging my heart just to see people actually say, you know what, screw you, Tim Cook, we're going to go try, you know, go to other platforms because I just believe, I just really believe that people are sick of the, the, you know, the censorship, right? On both sides, because I, I, because again, because I know, because I have people on the left, I have people on the right. And also me, I've lived all across the world, all across the world. I've lived in LA, I'm from North Carolina, but I've lived in LA. Now I live in Miami. I've even spent time in China. I mean, I've been all across the world. So I have very unique perspective. And I really feel that we're moving into this day and age where it's gonna be about who you connect yourself with. Oh yeah. It's gonna be about who you connect yourself with because we're moving into a day and age where you can really start to see, you know, the good versus the evil, right? And also that, you know, that was one of the questions. I want to read you this question that one of the uh, the fans actually, you know, they wanted me to ask you. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, it, it really goes into that. It says, um, let me see here. Do you believe that there is good and evil or merely people striving or not striving to be good and falling short due to their human nature? Um... No, I, I think that you can get people who are born not good. Yeah. Um, and that'd be my belief. And, and you can see that by just personality differences in people. Like, there, there are people who are more compassionate than other people. If you get somebody who has zero compassion or zero agreeableness, falls under the trade agreeableness, um, you're going to get someone who literally doesn't have the guilt feeling if they do something bad. Right, and so maybe they won't do something bad, but it won't be because they have this inner guilt that's stopping them. So I think you can come across people that are just not good, um, and then of course you can come across people. So these this agreeableness personality traits really important. You can come across people who are actually high in agreeableness, and we're seeing that a lot of that actually on the left, yeah. where it's 
too much caring almost or missed it's not too much caring like i'm high i'm high in compassion but it's misdirected um compassion so then you end up say say then you end up with someone who could be a vegan ideologue who's physically hurting farmers mm. right so you get the psychopaths down with when you have no agreeableness or no compassion, but you can get serious problems if you have misguided compassion as well. And I think that comes down to you know what you learn, um, what you're being taught in school, who you surround yourself with, that kind of thing. No, exactly. I mean, I believe that you know, especially right now with the cancel culture, right? Like it's so you know, it's so bad because that is not that's not the answer. The answer is to have a conversation. The answer is to find common ground, right? Yeah. And maybe, maybe you can't find common ground, but you at least try. You know, one of the things that I, that I get so, like, just, it, it upsets me because people, they don't, they're not, in, especially in 2020, right? You would think with everything going on in the world, you would think people would be open to, to just say, hey, you know what? Like, maybe we, we need to rethink this. Maybe we need to think about that. And people have become more, you know, more attached to their clothes minded than ever. I feel like a lot of people. I also feel that a lot of people are, are waking up and realizing that a lot of stuff is, you know, if you, I believe that this year, 2020 is, is the year, if you have eyes to see, you'll see, if you don't, you, you won't. I believe that personally. Um, but I just feel that we're moving into this day and age where it's going to be about who you connect yourself with, because so many people are misguided. So many people are, you know, they compassionate or wrong about the, they focus about the wrong things, right? Like if they put that energy in something that would actually serve us rather than to harm us, right? We could be so much better off, right? And so for me, it's just, I want to do my part. And I know that you're doing your part, you know, of, of raising the human consciousness, you know, it's so important. I feel now, now more than ever. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do what I can no, you're do. You're doing a great job of it. I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, we spoke before we got on, you know, in the green room, so to speak, but we, we spoke about, you know, how, you know, my girlfriend, her sister, all of these people, they, they look up to you, Michaela. It's like, there are so many people out there that that follow right along with everything that you say. And obviously you're not a doctor, right? You're not it weirds me out. You're not giving people like, you know, um, you're not saying that you're a doctor, but there's people out there that genuinely like w when you say something, they, 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 they take, you know, stock in what you're saying. And yeah, I think that weird. that's a responsibility, you know, it just comes a responsibility because, and I think we all had to be the best version of ourselves on a daily basis. And I know that's something me personally that I'm, I'm working on. Right. Because sometimes life is just, like you said, like sometimes life is just, it's one thing after the next, right? So it's just trying to embrace it and, and help other people and help other people also just believe in their magic, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Try to tell people, I mean, what I try and tell people, especially people who are really sick, is they don't have to stay like that, but it's up to them. And so they're going to have to, like, I don't know, sometimes it takes, you know, it, it took me... It took me like five or six years of constant struggle to drag myself out of having an autoimmune disorder, which everybody told me was impossible. So, like, if you can try and reach people and tell them that they have the power, if they take some responsibility for their life, to improve things, and that they're not stuck in whatever dreadful situation they're in, it can really, it can really help people. Some people don't need very much encouragement to try, right? Like, I get people messaging me who tell me, you know, I have ankylosing spondylitis or some autoimmune disorder like I'm on all these medications I've been sick for 15 years like should I just try it and all I have to respond is like yeah just try it for six weeks and see what happens 
and then they'll go for it. So it, so it's like they need some encouragement because if I ignore it uh, or can't respond to the messages, I don't know what happens. But if you can give people a little bit of encouragement or tell people that they have, like you said, what did you say, magic? Yeah, magic. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I believe we all have magic inside of us, you know? I believe we all have experiences that can help other people. That's what I truly believe. I believe that we go through the things that we go through in our life to help other people. Yeah, I like that. that. That's pretty much what I believe too. It's like if you go through something terrible, how do you make it worth it? You make it worth it by making sure other people maybe don't have to go through the same thing you did. Yeah, or if they go through it, they don't They don't feel so alone. Yeah, right? yeah. Exactly. Well, Michaela, this has been an amazing interview. I thank you so much for your time. Do you have maybe like a, you know, a tip of the day that you want to leave everybody with? Cups and bomb. Uh, a tip of the day? Uh, yeah, okay. I was going to say just go gluten-free, but I have another one, and I'm dead serious about that one. Um, yeah, if, if you're worried about saying something, because there's a lot of concern about, uh, you know, if you believe something and you're like, oh, no one will agree with me or I'm going to get trouble, get in trouble if I say it, generally speaking, if you start telling the truth about whatever you believe, people will support you. Right? It's less bad than people think it is. And I would say it's worse for you to have all that inside and, and not talk to anybody about it. So if you see something going on in the world and you don't agree with it, say it. I love that. It's so important, especially today, in today's world. I feel like you just hit especially the nail on the head. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll stop talking before they stop listening. Michaela, you've been an amazing guest. Thank you so much for coming on the show, The Students of Success. And uh, we hope you have a great, great weekend. Thank you. You too. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome.